sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, well, it's Ladies Week here on the show. Uh, no other guys, just me, Nate, and you're not going to hear a lot from me this week. Aaron's not here. Uh, but I have a conversation that I'm going to play for you. I had it a week or so ago with uh, a, a tremendous woman. She is a trauma-informed recovery specialist uh, who helps women dealing with betrayal trauma. Elisha Burkett uh, joined me for a, a talk that I found so enlightening, so informing, uh, informative and inspirational that I, I wanted not just to play that conversation, but I wanted to get some reaction to it, not from men necessarily, but from other wives. So I reached out to the Sarah Society. I don't know whether you know about this, but uh, you know, a few years ago, a few Samson wives got together online to support each other. That small group has blossomed into the Sarah Society uh, now a vibrant, a rapidly growing, uh, very supportive community of partners of Samson guys. So I contacted uh, one of the representatives of the Sarah Society, asked whether a few women would be willing to listen to the interview and react to it. And uh, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play you my conversation with Lysha Burkett. We'll take a quick break. Then we'll bring the ladies in and hear what they have to say. I think this is going to be informative uh, for our male listeners and, and I think encouraging for our female listeners as well. You're going to like this one. It's, it's not our typical show, but it's going to be a good one. We'll be back in a minute on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Monk Podcast. Our guest this week is Lachelle Burkett, who uh, a, a, a charming, engaging, intelligent, articulate, and experienced woman uh, who I have been chatting with for just a few minutes, and already I feel uh, a lot of confidence in you, Lachelle. I really do. I think uh, you have got a story that's going to resonate with our listeners. You've got some wisdom to share that's going to be helpful. Uh, Lachelle is uh, the founder and director of a ministry called Hope Redefined, based in Knoxville, Tennessee. Welcome, Lachelle. Thanks, Nate. I'm really excited to be here and be on Pirate Monk Radio or podcast. <laughs> As, you well, don't actually get to do things that you think someday I want to do that. And this is truly one of those things that I was like, I want to be on Pirate Monk podcast someday. So, All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Dream come true for all of That's us. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, we've got a female voice on the show. That's always a plus. And uh, you come with experience. You come with a story of your own. 
Mm -hmm. uh, how did you happen to wind up in this field of work? Tell us, tell us your story, will you, Lachelle? Yeah, I would love to. So um, I am the executive director of a, a ministry called Hope Redefine, mm -hmm. and it is a nonprofit organization, faith-based, that focuses on supporting women through their betrayal trauma. Um, mm -hmm. And so we do that in a multitude of ways, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, but the reason I became the executive director of this nonprofit was because of my own story. Okay. Um, my husband's addiction uh, to pornography came out about 18 months into our marriage. We had dated for a long time. And if I'm honest with you, I never suspected anything. I Really? You okay. know, um, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, things that I think most of us would consider as typical or, oh, that guy's got a problem with sex or whatever. That just wasn't mm -hmm. happening. And um, so... He truly, by the grace of God, he confessed to me that he was struggling. Uh -huh. um, and so my understanding of, as him saying, I'm struggling, meant he was going to go find help, which he did. He joined a men's group right. and he started in a guy's group and was really doing great um, for about four months. And yeah. then he ended up relapsing on a work trip. And at that point, I lost my ever loving mind. Okay. So All right. That is... When I generally say that is when the trauma hit. The first round was like I felt, I felt like okay, he's totally taking a um, responsibility for this. He's come forward. Right. He's told me he's got a problem. He went to the group, and if I'm totally honest with you, Nate, I never thought we would talk about it again once he started group. Right. I thought sure. We were done. Right. I right. Thought, hey, yeah. Group, fix him, and we're going to move on about our day. So when the relapse happened, that's where the the betrayal the you told me, yeah, you know, yeah, those types yeah. of things were coming out for me. And so it was, it was very difficult and very traumatic for me. Um, that betrayal, that broken trust was just very deep. Um, yeah, I had a yeah. lot of broken relationship in my own childhood and family of origin. And so this was, you know, he was, while he was bearing the wrath of previous betrayal, it was something mm -hmm. that I felt like I had an assurance that he would never do to me. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we went on a journey for, um, at that point, I recognized, okay, I need help. And I started reaching out for help. And I found an amazing woman who happened to go to my church who was really transparent about their own struggle. And I was able to find friendship with her. Mm -hmm. um, but even in that time, so this was back in early 2000s, there wasn't a whole lot of support out there. There wasn't a whole lot of resources for women, for wives. Sure, and if sure. I'm honest, I didn't even know what I was looking for. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't even and know. The language was then on. was pretty much only around codependency, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Codependency was the big, was the big thing then. So, um, but the hardest part for me was, and this is where the ministry started to be birthed from was the, the isolation and the loneliness that came with journeying through this. Mm. Um, this addiction and this consistent brokenness in our marriage. And yeah. so even though I had some really amazing friends and I knew that I could lean on a lot of people, if they had never experienced this, it was very difficult for me to feel like they got it. Right. And I just wanted to be able to have somebody that I could turn to and just say, I'm having a really hard day or, Hey, he's going on a work trip tomorrow. Can you pray for us? And that they would yeah. actually understand why that's so important. Yeah, um, sure. 
And so we journeyed for about, uh, you know, trying to do the best we could in the early 2000s. He was he was consistent with group, but he still had a lot of slips, ups mm-hmm. and downs. But he had another major relapse after five years. Uh-huh. Um, it was at risk of losing his job. And at that yeah. point, we had started a family. We had a really young family at the time. And we ended up separating for a season mm-hmm. uh, because that was the that was the choice that he and I had made as a team that should he right. ever use again, we were going to separate. Right. So we did that. And it was excruciating. It was not yeah. what I wanted to do. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was really difficult to navigate that and stay stay um, true to the boundary that I knew we needed. Yeah. And it was also a really huge season of faith crisis for me of trying to lean on God and say, do you really want this for us? Is this what I'm really supposed to be doing is separating from him? Or is this, you know, am I just being a jerk? Like I just, you know, there's just so much Mm -hmm. that happens for Mm -hmm. us when we're in Mm -hmm. that place of turmoil. So um, after our separation, we ended up coming back together. And that's when I really felt like God was asking me to step into this and create a safe place for other women. So it had been about six or seven months after his relapse. Yeah. And so um, with fear and trembling, I'll shorten the story with fear and trembling, <laughs> I approached my church and ended up starting a support group for women at my church. Okay. And didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't have any curriculum. I had some books that I felt like were good information, but I was just a lay person trying to create a safe place. Right. Yeah. And Ended up doing that for about five years and loved it very much. And I also ended up in that time connecting with an author named Vicki TD. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So she's out of Minnesota and really um, enjoyed her book. Ended up, uh, it's also another great, crazy God story, but ended up after being in her group as a participant, mm-hmm. uh, connecting with her and then started to help co-facilitate and then eventually facilitate her online groups. I see. Okay. So did all of that for five years. And at five years, I really felt the Lord pressing on me again. And he said, it's time to make this a full-time endeavor. And so what that meant was I was going to step away from some of the things that I was doing at my kid's school and other commitments. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, um, our nonprofit Hope Redefined was birthed. And in that same season, I went back to school and I got my professional coaching certification and also APSAT certification. So I'm oh, a fantastic. Yep. So I'm a betrayal trauma partner coach. So yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love uh, I love the name Hope Redefined. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk to me about you know, about the redefinition. Okay. Did, were there? Were did you? Do you think that it's common? for men and for women to have uh, illusions about the future and unrealistic hopes that need to be defined or redefined uh, in order for recovery to flourish? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So that's really where the name came from was from my own hope. So um, hope redefined came from my own journey. And Mm -hmm. when we first started out, I would tell you that I put all my hope in my husband's group. Yeah. And then I put uh-huh. all my hus- all my hope in my husband's accountability partner. Uh-huh. And then I put all my hope in the book that he was supposed to read. Yeah. And then I put all my hope in, right, the next thing. And <laughs> um consistently those things would fail. And yeah. 
for one reason or another, inevitably he would supposed to be going to group. He'd like slack off for a month. Oh, I'm too tired. I don't want to go, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then what happens is I'm flipping out. Right. Sure. And, or I don't look like I'm flipping out. Actually, what I'm doing is I'm just become consistently becoming more of a jerk because yeah. the reality is, is that I'm terrified. Yeah. What, the information I received was that if you go to this group, you're going to make me better. Uh-huh. I'm hurting. Yeah. I- yeah, and yeah. so you can't say you're not going to group like that's not an option, right? So right, when right. he would slack off about group, I would flip out, I would panic, I would become super, you know, lots of anxiety. And then it was like, okay, he needs an accountability partner. That was like the next thing I grabbed onto. Well, at one point in their relationship, the accountability re- the accountability partner relapsed, uh-huh. and I freaked out. I mean, I yeah, was yeah. so angry yeah. at this accountability partner. I was so angry at the process. I was like, wait a minute. That was our sure thing. That's where my yeah, hope was coming yeah, from, right? Yeah, yeah. And so consistently throughout the journey, that's what continuously happened. And the the Lord was just so tender with me and kept saying, you can't put your hope in anything but me, Lachelle. Yeah. And yeah. you can't put your hope even in Garen, who's my yeah. husband. Yeah. And yeah. so, consi- you know, because that's what I was looking for is I wanted my husband to get better so he could make me better. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what really needed to happen was, is I needed to release my husband and surrender him from that role. Cause by the way, he's never put on this earth to heal me. Yeah. The only yeah, one yeah. who's put on this earth to heal me was Jesus. And yeah, so yeah. that was the turning point for me of really starting. I mean, and I say it in a sentence of surrendering my husband, but if I could tell you the sentence of surrendering my husband took me about seven years Wow. Right. Like of this consistent choice over time. And so, um, and just learning to trust God more with my husband than trusting myself, learning Mm. to believe that God really did have good for us. Yeah. Um, even when I couldn't see it sitting right in front of me, like I would sit there and go, this doesn't look good. So I don't know why I have to claim that promise, but so that's where hope redefined came from was that I needed to have my hope redefined. I needed yeah, to have yeah. it shifted from all these external things that were while all good. Yeah. A men's group is amazing. Having your, you know, having a guy in group is vital. I think yeah, sure. to his recovery yeah, yeah. is being known, but that couldn't be where all of our hope was going to come from. Yeah. You know, I've been reading a lot of, uh, recovery books uh, lately. There's a whole genre of books now called Quit Lit, mostly around uh, quitting alcohol, mm. which is my new hobby, quitting ha- alcohol. Um, and remarkably, it seems like the best books are being written by women. And uh, one I was reading last week by a woman named Holly Whitaker, a title called a Quit Like a Woman. Uh, she made a point about relapse that really struck me. She comes from a business background, and she says that in the world of business, failure is big. Every successful entrepreneur has got half a dozen failure stories that they tell at conferences. Uh, They get their employees together and have failure festivals where they celebrate failure because the consistent message is failure is one step towards success, right? Failure is never fatal unless you make it fatal. And so you've got to try and you've got to be willing to fail in order to succeed. And she said, we just, she says, she's got a great phrase. She says, there's an awful lot of failure porn out there. She goes, but the one area where we will not even consider failure is in recovery. 
relapse is a death sentence. Somehow we've defined it as a death sentence and we have this perfectionism that we bring to recovery Mm. uh, that we discard in all other areas of endeavor. It's unrealistic. That really helped me because I've got to tell you, uh, I, especially in early recovery, man, I was a champion slipper. And, uh, and it was hard to learn even how to disclose that to my accountability partners because I was in such performance mode and so determined to do it perfectly. And I was so terrified of relapse that I didn't even want to admit when I was close, right? Yeah. yeah. And I do think that, that uh, it's quite possible. It's, maybe we communicate in the church, or maybe we communicate in our relationships. This, uh, uh, I, I kind of hate it when I hear um, a one strike you're out message that puts a guy in absolute fear of even admitting a relapse because it's going to be over. Yeah. So even if he starts to slip, he's going to cover it up and hide and scramble, right? Until finally, you know, the truth comes out. And by then, he's probably in much deeper weeds than he would have been otherwise. Are we, are we unrealistic? And, and does that cause, uh, do we have unrealistic hopes that we bring into, do couples bring an unrealistic expectation into the recovery uh, adventure uh-huh. that causes unnecessary pain? Mm. Not that we ever want to be permissive about a slip, but I don't know. It, uh, when yeah. I thought of hope redefined, I thought, man, do we, does hope, do we need to be realistic? I love, we've got, our hope needs to be placed, put in the right place. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I listen to my wife talk to women on our porch. And on more than one occasion, I have heard her counsel another wife you can hope that he never slips again. He hopes he'll never slip again, but you cannot accept that he, you, or you cannot expect that he will ever slip again because it could happen. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to be able to weather it if it does. And he's got to be able to know he can tell you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, to speak into that, I would, I would tell you, I mean, if I'm honest with you, there's a, there's a chapter that we do in one of our groups. It's the group's called finding hope. And one of the, one of the chapters is surrendering fear. And so the first question in the book chapter is what is your greatest fear? And hands down, every woman says relapse or slip, right? That he will slip or relapse again. And that, and, but I think what's attached to that fear is two things. The first is that with a relapse or a slip, that means that they're going all the way back to the beginning. Yes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that exactly. Is, right. That's and that not is the actually case. not true. Right. Um, and the other thing is, is that what is difficult is navigating the slip or relapse is it, the, the, what has to come out for each of them, him and her both, is we have been working so hard to gather new tools Mm-hmm. to navigate this differently. Right. So most of the time, you know, like I agree with you that I think that sometimes we, as a, as a wife, I came into this being like, it's an absolute no way, no how is this ever going to happen again? 
And I'm right. sure I said that to my husband, like, and I will yeah. say that it is a non-negotiable. Like I'm not going to tolerate living in a home with porn um, or any good. other form of infidelity. So there are boundaries right. associated with it, but do we have a plan in place? Should this ever happen again? And the answer is yes, because I want to live in a place of being real about this yeah, and understanding that perfection is actually not obtainable. Right. And, yeah. I, and I know that that when I'm honest with a woman and I'm talking to her about that, I know how hard and heavy that yeah. is to say that perfection is not obtainable because the trauma that she's experienced from this discovery and this addiction yeah. of these behaviors is so yeah. deep yeah. that it's almost, it's deflating to go, wait a minute, you're telling me that I'm going to have to learn how to live with this. Yeah. And my answer is no. I'm not mm -hmm. asking you to live with this. I'm asking you to um, learn how to respond to it and mm -hmm. still maintain and hold your boundaries, but also know that there's a high probability of it. Yeah, yeah. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. There's another thing that I said to a gal. This is what I would say to a guy is that if your wife has not done any kind of support for herself, and what I mean by that is not that she's gone to your counselor and your counselor has educated her on addiction. That's not what mm -hmm. I'm talking about because yeah, yeah. while we all need to understand some of that, the brain science, why choices are being made, what's the root of the addiction, all of those things, there's still healing for her to have. Yeah. She still needs to navigate her grief. She needs to go through uh, surrendering certain things. She needs to understand that her control behaviors are probably rooted in her not feeling safe mm -hmm. because of that, mm -hmm. that trust has been imploded. And so right. all of those are things that, that a woman needs to have permission to be able to do. Yeah. And I have heard women refuse to go in that direction for themselves. And a part of it is because they're terrified that if they open this can of worms that they've created or that they've tidied up, they'll never get it back together. Right. But I also hear guys who don't want their wives to step into that kind of healing because it's scary. They're just yeah. finally feeling like they're getting back quote to normal and they don't yeah. want their wife going out there and suddenly being in, back in grief because <laughs> the root of <laughs> sexual addiction is the, um, the avoidance of emotions. Yes. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so now, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. uh, I don't really want my wife to go. And all of a sudden come back with emotions. Like I don't know how to handle <laughs> yeah, yeah, And so it is yeah. conflicting, right? You're like, yeah. yeah, go get better. Oh, wait, no, don't do that. Cause I don't know how to handle you on the other side. And yeah, yeah. things are getting back. So um, yeah. So to go back, just some as an extra, but to go back to that, is, is it, is it unrealistic to expect or not expect slips or relapses? And I would say, um, I think that there, there is a real gift in being able to prepare for them. Right. Yeah. And I think there's yeah. a real gift in us being able to go back to the slipper relapse and go, what went well and what mm -hmm. went really bad? Yeah. And how yeah. do we learn from this and versus it being a um, something that takes us back to the beginning? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I remember Allie saying so many times, you know, in those very painful early years, 
uh, when I was sleeping in a closet and trying to pull it together mm. uh, and uh, trying to make up and performing and slipping and failing and hiding. And uh, <laughs> I remember so many times you're looking at me and saying, you have no idea what I'm going through. And I would say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she would say, you have no idea what I'm going through. And what hurt was I knew she was right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure that every woman's story is different. Uh, and, uh, you know, in your, as in Allie's case, Allie has uh, a long and tragic history of abandonment and a lot of trauma mixed with some sexual assault and other stuff. And uh, she was certain, she was dead certain that she had married the last guy in the world who would ever be unfaithful to her in any way. I was, mm -hmm. I was so convincing, right? Yeah. And so I, and I wanted to be the guy I pretended to be. I really, uh, I was dancing as fast as I could, but it was, I, but I wasn't dealing with my stuff either. Um, so uh, I know that her story is her story. Your story is yours. But I imagine there must be some common elements uh, um, among women who discover that their husband, maybe if he hasn't been physically faithful with another woman, by the time, uh, you know, you know, porn actually dragged me across the flesh line and it really got ugly. Yeah. But even uh, but whether whether a guy has ever gone that far or not, uh, Allie says the one thing that that saved her sanity was that I never got emotionally involved with another woman. That's not the case with every couple. And there are right. some women who have to deal with that reality. So uh, there are different there are different scenarios, different cases. But what kind of if you can kind of describe for our male listeners what their uh, partner might, some of what their partner might be feeling as they're, you know, they've joined Samson, they're trying to do the thing and she doesn't seem to be getting any better and she seems to be pulling away and he doesn't, and he's starting to, and he, uh, and, he, and he's saying, I'm doing well. And he's, he's doing, he's, he's trying to prove to her that he's a different guy and she doesn't seem to be buying it. Uh -huh. uh, what are some of the things that she's feeling and what are, uh, yeah. Help us out here a little bit. Well, there's, I have so many picture analogies that I use to describe what betrayal looks like in a, in a marriage. Mm -hmm. um, the one that makes me, that I think I'll just share to try and give you perspective as to what this feels like is, um, you know, it, and it's hard because many of us have never experienced this, but I think it's relatable is that it's as if your house one night literally burnt to the ground mm -hmm. and the two of you are standing there and you've barely made it out after this explosion. Let's say it was an explosion right. that burned the house to the ground and suddenly the paramedics show up. And they swoop the husband up and they truck him off to the hospital. <laughs> right? Yeah. And she is left standing there looking at the destruction. Yeah. And somebody says to her, well, 
maybe you just weren't enough for him because it suddenly discovered that the implosion was a match that he lit. Yeah. Right. right? And so he created the explosion and good, better, and different. He was responsible for the explosion. And so now all of a sudden she's standing there left trying to figure out how do you even possibly rebuild from this? Yeah. And then you begin to think about, so now he's, he's rushed off to the hospital. He's getting care. Um, whatever that looks like, it's men's groups, yeah. it's books, it's advocacy, yeah, yeah. it's pastors being like, Hey, let me be your accountability partner. Yeah. No one has called to check on her. Yeah. yeah. No one. Yeah. And the other thing that I see that's really common is that women are terrified or maybe just don't even have permission to share this in their circle of relationships because mm-hmm. there's so much that she's trying to navigate. I don't want people to think bad about him. I don't want people to think right. bad about me. I don't know what mm-hmm. this, like there was, I remember in my own story being terrified to tell some friends of ours who had young kids because I thought they're going to think he's a pervert. Right. Yep. But he's not. Yep. Right. And, but I don't know how they're going to respond to this. Right. And then I had other people who would have just used it as something of gossip and I didn't want to go there. That was so dangerous. And so the safest thing for me to do was to not say anything. Yeah. And um, so going back to that fire analogy, and then here's Mm -hmm. the, here's the hardest part. It's like all of a sudden he gets to come back to the house and he gets out of the cab that brought him back from the hospital. (laughs) And he looks at her and he's like, What's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, yeah. why are you still limping? I don't understand. Like, you're in a yeah. mess. Your clothes look awful. Like, you need to get this together. Yeah. But he has no concept or understanding that there was not a soul there to care for her. Yeah. Right. And the trauma yeah. and the tragedy that came from that experience. I mean, memories mm-hmm. gone or yeah. destroyed, right? Yeah. Uh, safety destroyed. Yeah. And that all of that is going to take very intentional work and choice for them to recover from that. And to, and to, you know, and we talk about in our ministry, we talk about um, godly restoration versus worldly restoration because worldly restoration is about taking, you know, you restore an old car, you want to get it back to its Mm -hmm, original condition, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, That's not mm -hmm. what God does. Right. Yeah. Really what yeah. he does is he builds something all together new. And so yeah. that it's going to take a lot of time and effort and support and all the things, but a lot of times I think that's the that's the miss that happens. And even from the woman's side, I'll say to you that um most women that I sit with in ministry are such high functioning, intelligent, well-to-do mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. So when that house burnt down, she was like, well, guess I better clean it up. Like yep. that looked like whether it looked like helping him with groups and getting him plugged in, or it just looked like disconnecting from him and getting lost in the routine of her mm-hmm. job and kids and mm-hmm. everything else. And she just functioned. Yeah. Because she's a high functioner. But right. what she's doing the entire time is ignoring the fact that her house is literally a rub, you know, a pile of rubble. Yeah. Yeah. And so over time that, that comes out and we, we process that pain in really sideways ways. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that help? Uh, now um, what are the benefits? What do you see of the benefits? Uh, you know, we've got Samson wives uh, that have gotten together and formed the Sarah society. And uh, so 
and I'm so grateful for the women who have done that, led that. I knew that was one thing that we guys couldn't do. We couldn't do that for them. They had to yeah. do it themselves. And they, and uh, they're planning their, their their first retreat. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things we do in Samson Society is we draw on all the expertise we can possibly find and we try to share any wisdom we have with everybody else because we're all in this together. Amen. So um, you, you've you got great ways for women to connect. I mean, you got you, you have a social network that's not part of a social network. Right? It's, it's not right. part of social media, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A completely safe way for women to connect. Uh, t- uh, talk to me a little bit about the benefits that you see when you actually get uh, these women who feel so isolated and so alone, and they finally now are in the company of some other people with similar experience who understand, and they got some direction, they got some help. What's that look like? Yeah. So yeah. So I I'll just share that uh, as a ministry, the way we support women is we we do it through I, I say six ways. Uh, the first is we do online support groups. Uh-huh. The next is we do one-to-one coaching support. So we've got multiple coaches on our team with us that are able to support women in individual work. Okay. Um, and a lot of times they'll partner with therapists. And so if the woman's seeing a therapist and adds the coach in there, who's got betrayal, trauma, knowledge, and expertise, that's a huge gift to her healing and, process. And what does the support group look like? Just to back the up. The support groups, we actually run a, we, we have a variety of them. We have one that's kind of like our introduction uh, group called Finding Hope, but then we have multiple other groups that a lot of times are very topical based. So we have a group that's on a support group just on boundaries um, and we have some others that are in the works around trust. Are, are these online? They are. They're all f- hosted online through Zoom. And they're okay. typically small. We, we usually cap our groups at eight women at a time. Okay. And those groups are facilitated by a professional coach. So okay. we're okay. sitting with someone so, who's got some knowledge with it. So there's some content that's delivered. And yep. then there is some sharing and discussion around the yep. topic. Is that how it works? Yep. Okay, good. And a lot Beautiful. of support. Yep, and community. Okay. And that's the beautiful right. thing about it is being in that community of women and suddenly being yeah. like, I can, I can connect with these people safely. All right. So we've got the support group. I'm with some other women. I can go one, one to one with a coach. Okay. What are my other ways to connect? Uh, So we do a retreat twice a year that's hosted outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. It's a four day, three night intensive healing retreat. That's what we call it. Um, It's called Redeemed Hope. And I co-facilitate that with a, with a friend of mine. Her name's Marisha Robinson. She is a uh, licensed therapist here in Knoxville Okay. And uh, we run that retreat together, and it is how many women? How many women can go to that? Uh, we cap it at fourteen women. Okay. All right. So okay. we choose to intentionally keep things small because we really Good. believe that that intimacy is important, and it creates right. a lot of safety. So okay. Um, so yeah. So we do the retreat, and we absolutely love that retreat, and we have volunteers that are part of that team. Okay. Um, the other way that we support women is what you mentioned is the online community. It's called Hope Online, and it's, a, okay. it's actually an app that a woman can put on her phone. And nice. She can click right on that app, and it opens up. And if you're familiar with Facebook, it looks a bit like a Facebook feed, but it's uh-huh. completely separate from any other social media platform. So she's not required to feel exposed or have that that you know nervousness and about somebody. It's not going to show up on a Google search. Exactly. Okay, good, fantastic. All right. 
So, and then uh, the last thing we do as a not-for-profit is we actually fundraise and we have a scholarship fund for women because we we know that financial betrayal is a huge part, but also just there's only so many resources to go around for any relationship. So if he's had to do... Uh, you know, if they've had to pour a lot of financial resources into his work, into his healing yeah. and his um, yeah. things, recovery, um, sometimes that's one of the reasons why she doesn't do anything is because she doesn't right. have money. Right, right, and so, right. And we're, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh, and we don't uh-huh. want to do that. We don't want to do that for her. So we've created a scholarship fund that women can apply for. And Okay. And, and men are allowed to uh, contribute to this, I assume. Absolutely. One of our best donors, <laughs> one of our biggest donors is a husband. Yep. Okay. Yep. What a great way. Hey, fellas, uh, if, if you're at the amends stage of right. the path and you're kind of searching around for an inventive way, maybe to do some, some, uh, some amends, here's one way to do it. Okay. Yep. So those are the different ways we do that. So most of our support is all done online. So it's not geographically uh-huh. limited. So um, we are based in Knoxville, Tennessee, but we, we support women all over the world. So Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and the best way for our listeners to, uh, to reach you, to contact you, uh, uh, to explore the opportunities and maybe uh, make uh, a donation is to reach you where? At our website, which is hoperedefined.org. Okay. Um, or you are also welcome to email us at support at hoperedefined.org. And okay. um, usually just so if any woman's interested or a husband's curious, the way that we do any kind of intake, if a woman reaches out and says she's interested, mm-hmm. uh, the first step is to do a phone call with me. And okay. so we do like a 30 minute call and I just kind of get a good feel for what she's looking for. And I'm certainly ha- happy to, you know, refer her to other resources that, that may not be a part of Hope Redefine. Okay. Um, if she's looking for something really specific, I'm more than happy to do that. Cause like you said, Nate, it's, we have to, we have to link arms with each other because this is a absolute epidemic and we've got to be able to support each other's work and know that, you know, it's all about them getting well. It's more about them getting well than it is about anything else. I am just so thrilled with what you're doing. Uh, I've known for a very long time that, yeah, we've been taking care of the men, but we have been neglecting uh, the women, the wives, uh, girlfriends, partners. And, uh, you know, I've prayed for a long time uh, that God would raise up help. Mm. And, you know, Allie felt very much alone, very much alone in 1998 when everything hit the fan in the Larkin house. And uh, it's so good to know that you're there. You're you're there and doing that work. It's yeah. been an absolute delight, Lachelle. Thank you for Thank taking you. the time to join us. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. are back on the Pirate Monk podcast, and what a treat. What we're going to do this time is uh, I've actually 
passed along the recording of my conversation with Lachelle to the Sarah Society, this amazing organization of Samson partners, wives, girlfriends. Uh, as several of them have listened to the conversation and have um, accepted our invitation to join a discussion. So we've got five women here ready to discuss what they've heard in my conversation with Lachelle. So we have Heather, Brandy, Aaron, Linda, and Julie, all here with me via Zoom. Welcome, ladies, and thank you so much. Uh, all right. You, uh, the, the topic is, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the topic is. The, uh, <laughs> there are a bunch of topics in that conversation. But uh, I'm, I'm very I, I'm very eager to hear your reaction. What struck you? What hit home? What made sense? What maybe was new or unfamiliar? Was there anything you disagreed with? Uh, I'd love to hear your reaction. The floor is now open for anyone who is ready to speak. I'm Linda. I'm always known to, to initiate, to start. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a go for it girl. Um, I guess the one thing that really impressed me most was that I am not alone with your, you know, the shell keeps pounding that into our brains. I am not alone. And my healing is my healing. It takes me X, Y, Z hours, minutes, years. It's my healing, and it's between me and God. I'm Brandy. Um, Brandy. Brandy. <laughs> the Sarah Society. We, yeah, we're we're getting we're getting used to that, Nate. Um, I loved the part of the conversation that you guys talked about where she came up with the name or when she talked about the name and what it means about hope redefined um, for my journey in our walk, it, it's been, and I, I love that she said it took her like seven years to get to the place where she really and truly finally got her hope anchored into, into Jesus and into God. Um, and I think it's so easy for us I mean, we're human. We keep looking at the next thing and the next thing. And I just really resonated with her words. Of first, it was putting hope in the fact, that, okay, he's in a group. This is going to make it all the difference. Or this is the accountability partner. And I've prayed for certain some of those pieces. And those are all amazing pieces. And they're all needed pieces. Um, I think she even said vital. And I would 100% agree with her. But the journey for me has been to truly understand that my anchor has to be in God. And when I can really and truly anchor into him, um, it does multiple things. First of all, my trust grows exponentially when I, you know, one of my key verses right now is the be still and know that I am God. He's the one that can make any kind of impact on either one of us. Um, and so that's been huge. And the more I lean into him, the more space it has given my husband 
to do what he needs to do, do the things that he knows he needs to do and wants to do. Um, But it's almost like the more I would say things or try to figure it out, or the more my anxiety would go up, the more his defenses and his walls would go up or his addiction brain and the stubbornness, right. To um, Mm -hmm. dig in the heels and it's like self-protect. And then we're against each other instead of on the same team. And so just anchoring my hope in him. um, I felt like God told me a couple of years ago, he, he kept pointing to shut up and pray, which is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> and I thought, that's not good enough. <laughs> we got to do something else. <laughs> we got to do. There's something that needs to happen. And he has, since that time, reiterated in multiple ways, um, the more that I do, um, the more I pray and trust him, the more I pray and trust the Lord, with my husband, the more he really has the space to work in his heart. And on top of that, I'm safer because I'm anchored in him and not in my husband. I've got my anchor in the right place. Um, And I'll say this last thing and, and definitely let other people say, but something I remember a few months back, right before we switched over to Slack, it was still in the group me. So I don't know how long that's been, Um, but there was a question of um, trust and how do I ever trust him again? Um, You know, uh, some other wives talking and just, you know, marriage is supposed to be, you know, the foundation of marriage is supposed to be trust. And for the first time, I, I, I remember hearing that teaching growing up, you know, and trust is super important. But I went, wait a minute. Is trust in my husband the foundation of marriage? And I, and I felt like the Lord said, no, it's trusting me that is the foundation. And because our husbands are never going to be a hundred percent trustworthy. I am not a hundred percent trustworthy. I don't even trust myself half of the time, let alone how do I trust other humans? And so, um, man, just that, that paradigm shift in my mind has been super foundational in finding more stability and more healing for myself. So I really resonated with that. So, and I think the way we do this is, I'm Brandy. Thank you. I know. <laughs> Thank you, Brandy. Thanks, Brandy. Hi, I'm Erin. Um, Hi, Erin. Hi, Erin. <laughs> what I really loved about the interview was when she talked about surrendering fear um, by creating what we, what me and my husband term a slip protocol. Um, cause I remember when our, um, CSAT brought that up, I was like, but now he knows how far he can edge before he gets in quote unquote trouble. Like, why would I do that to him? Um, but what it has shown to me through our journey by creating a slip protocol is it released my fear of him having a slip, but also his fear of what will happen when he has a slip and that fear of the unknown of how I would react or what would happen with our marriage is what caused him to hide. 
And by creating this protocol, we both know and are prepared um, for if it happens. Um, I know the steps that we're going to take, which gives me peace of um, knowing that I've got support behind me when things happen. Um, and he's got the peace of knowing that um, the worst case scenario that he's dreamed up in his mind is not going to happen because we have already sat down during a time of strength. We prepare for moments of weakness. So during while we're in a really good place and grounded, we have talked through um, what's going to happen. And it also takes away that need for perfection from him. Um, that desire for a performance-based recovery from him. Um, and he knows that he can be real and, and be in a safe place and be real in our marriage because we've talked through what would happen recovery-wise, counseling-wise, marriage-wise, if a slip happens. So it seems so counterintuitive, and it did for me when it was brought up to my attention to create, to surrender that fear of, failure on his part, I guess, um, to create that slip protocol. Um, and it really does really did free us both up to not fear the future, to not fear, um, if something does happen, um, because we know there are steps in place that just automatically we're going to jump into it and do it. Um, so I resonated very strongly with that when she was talking about that. And I think most women, when they hear that, they'll be like, I don't want to do that because that tells him exactly where he can go before he gets in trouble. Like I get it. Um, but as she kept talking about it, um, I feel like she beautifully said it. Um, and we don't want that performance base. We want it to be a real recovery. Um, so that's what I really loved. And I'm so glad that she brought that up. Um, I have a whole page of notes about just that. <laughs> um, so that's what I loved. Thanks, I'm Erin. Thanks, Erin. Hi, I'm Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi, Hi Heather. Heather. Um, I have a confession to make. I haven't listened to that podcast yet, but I am very intrigued now to listen to the podcast because it sounds like it has just a lot of really good information in there that um, that my husband and I could really use. Um, and so, um, just some things that both Brandy and Aaron have said about the podcast, um, as far as like the, you know, with trusting my husband and, and a lot of times on the Sarah society, when a lot of women are asking like, how can I ever trust him again? I can never trust him again. And, and for me, um, I agree with Brandy of that it's where we have to put our trust in God, that God's going to lead our husband where he needs to go and not us leading our husband where they need to go. Because I mean, not to, you know, poke it, you know, husbands, but a lot of times there's been many times where I've suggested things to my husband for years. And then all of a sudden one year, somebody else just gives that same information. And then my husband comes to me like, oh my gosh, this person said this. And it's this revelation. I can't believe this. And I'm just like, I've been saying that for the last five years. And so sometimes 
you know, things just when it doesn't come from us, because I think that sometimes it's they feel that we're trying to control them. And of course, men don't want, well, really nobody wants to be controlled by anybody. And so to let go of me trying to point him where he needs to go and step back and let God be the one to point him in the direction that God wants him to go. Because sometimes there might be directions that I'm wanting him to go that aren't necessarily bad directions, but maybe that's not the direction that God's leading him towards. Um, And so, um, and then, you know, when Aaron, you were talking about slip protocol, I haven't heard about that before, but I'm intrigued in that. Um, My husband um, has a, a standard for himself where he doesn't consider him having slips for himself. He has considered he's either in relapse or he's in recovery because for him, he has said that he feels like if, Oh, I can just call that a slip and I can try to blow it off. And so for him, he says it's a matter of his heart. Where is his heart at? And if his, not to say that he doesn't technically have any slips. I'm sure that the, some of the things that has happened would be considered slips to um, for a lot of couples. But for him, he just says it's where is his heart at? And that's where I really appreciated for him and for me. I mean, I found Sarah Society because he found Samson Society. And I actually kind of stayed away for a little while because I was still very afraid of letting people know our story. And, um, but here he was telling our story to men and they were accepting him where he was. And so finally, I, you know, I think after about six months or so, I took the leap into Sarah's society and have been welcomed with the same thing of, of the, my story might be, is different than than Brandy's, but at the heart of it, it's still the same type of story. And so just to, and then to find out that there are actually, when I tell my story, that there are still other women that actually have parts of my story that are parts of their story. And it helps you to feel like, helps me to feel like I'm not alone. And that's just really encouraging to be able to know because I think that as we get isolated, that's when that's when I, when I get isolated, that's when I feel farthest from God, and that's when Satan's able to move in and and really wreak havoc in in me and in my marriage. And so I've really appreciated everything that Samson Society and Saren Society has brought um, to women. And it sounds like, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the lady from the podcast. But that just the fact that other women are coming out with their stories too and trying to help other women to let other women know too that you're not alone and there's help for you too. Like your husbands aren't the only ones that needs support. You need support as well. And there is that for you. And I think that's so great um, because I think that in that it'll help to strengthen so many more marriages along the way through this really difficult journey. So thanks. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, thanks Heather. Heather. Thanks, Heather. I guess it's my turn. I'm Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. I'm just like Heather. Um, I actually didn't 
listen to it. Um, I didn't know I was supposed to beforehand. Sorry. Um, but I definitely, I hadn't really thought about what Brandy said and Brandy, I think it's, um, an interesting idea of anchoring to God. Like that's a revelation to me and in a, in a paradigm shift, I guess for me, because I do think that, that we do, all of us do want to try to control just because we want to protect ourselves. So I think that's really a revelation to me. And, and just like Heather, you said, I mean, having this society is amazing. Um, just the friendships you develop and, you know, the fact that I can just call somebody and they're there and they're with me because we are, like you said, very isolated. Um, there's a lot of shame that comes along with being the spouse. So, so I'm really forever grateful to um, the Sarah group. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Well, ladies, thank you so much for um, sharing your reaction to the topic, if not for the entire conversation. I, I'm sure, you know, that conversation bears, even for those who've already listened to it, for me, I've listened to it three times and I participated in it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I, I just, I get something every time. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really struck me when Lachelle described the emotional experience for the wife of going through this mm -hmm. when she likened it to, you know, an explosion in a house fire that mm -hmm. completely decimates the home and the emergency people show up and the husband is taken away to the hospital <laughs> and she and, uh, and nobody calls and she's mm -hmm. on her own and she feels responsible. Also struck me that Lachelle said that so many of the women that she works with by far, uh, uh, the vast majority of them are high-functioning women mm -hmm. who look at the devastation and go, well, I guess it's my job to fix this and mm -hmm. clean it up. And uh, they get to work, and it's a lonely job when it's just you. But when it's no longer just you, huh? Right. When, yeah. you've, right. when you've got friends who can help, uh, that changes everything. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to know that the Sarah Society is growing. It's up. It's thriving. I'm mm -hmm. thrilled to know that uh, we have scheduled the big retreat for the spring of 2022. Oh, yay! Uh, we've got a March date, don't we, Erin? Um, it's April right now. Oh, it's April. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, but hey, yay. Um, but that might change. <laughs> okay. All right. But with Dr. Barbara Steffens and Lori Hall coming and Lachelle Burkett will be there as well. Uh, and it's going to be at a very nice place, uh, in, uh, Tennessee. So, uh, details are forthcoming. Uh, tell me, Aaron, do you guys, do you have the Sarah Society website? Is it up and running yet? It is not up and running yet. It, it, the, the public pages are created. Um, okay. We are just waiting to nail down a date and time weekly for our newcomers meeting um, and some 
hosts to host that newcomers meeting so that women can go to the website and it's an easy transition into the Sarah Society from there versus having to email in mm. and having one person respond and be the gatekeeper type thing. Yeah. But it, it amazes me to see, I mean, you've already got 150 women, I think, and six meetings at least going, uh, all completely under the radar. You've done it without a website. Uh, it's been, uh, God's been making connections woman to woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see where this is going to go because the need is enormous, absolutely enormous. And uh, I love to, it, it's just uh, heartwarming to know that you guys are at the front end of this thing. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Could I, I I don't know. I know you have editors, so I I was just going to say, this is Brandy again, but I was just going to say for, for wives, for any wives that might stumble across this podcast Mm -hmm. for husbands that want, want to know that their wife could have a safe place, I guess, it sounds like that's what you're kind of putting out there for them, but that we we just want them to hear that Sarah Society is a safe place mm-hmm. to come and to be known and to, to be able to have those conversations when no one else understands. That was another thing Lachelle said that was so good is when she went, and I think you said of Allie as well, they're just, who do you talk to? Um nobody understands. I've heard Lachelle speak another time on another podcast once. And she said, you know, your whole world is devastated and I have to get up and go back to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. My emotions are as raw as possible. It's like, I've just lost a child almost, you know, it's almost likened because everything I thought about my marriage is, is, is devastated. It's that explosion that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And yet I can't tell anybody. So nobody's bringing food. Nobody's nobody's calling to check on you. Mm-hmm. And my world is destroyed. And so um, to have a place to, to go and talk and people say and hear other women say, we hear you. And this is my story. And just for them to be able to feel that. Um, I don't know what the right word is, but it's it's like a, a safety net and it's a place to to just let down, be able to let down your shoulders, to cry. I mean, how many of us have just cried and cried and cried in our meetings? And for women, we need that. We need to be able to release those emotions um, or scream <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, just yell and say it all, get it all out and so we just want to say you're welcome here if you're the spouse um, or if, you know, husbands, if your your wife needs to, if she will listen to it, if you give it to her, <laughs> um, you know, because sometimes that's a defense thing, too. But um, we hope that more women can find this because the more we can get well and the, some of the best way to get well is to, to find this community um, to be able to be real, um, then marriages can begin to get repaired and and well as well. And ultimately the kingdom of God can grow, um, in the way that he wants it to grow. And, um, so anyway, for what that's worth, I just wanted to put that out there. That's, that's fantastic. Yes. 
I, this is Linda. And as you were talking and all the ladies were talking about how to, how important this group is, I just have to say kudos to the husbands who recommend Sarah Society. Mm. Mm. It takes courage. It takes strength. And they deserve a pat on the back for doing that. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was something that Lachelle uh, alluded to, that it can be a little bit terrifying for a guy to recommend that his wife find somebody to uh, get emotional <laughs> with about this whole thing. I, I will tell you, we don't scream and cry in our meetings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, Maybe probably, you should. We probably <laughs> should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because, uh, as Lachelle said, I mean, addiction springs from a desire to run from our emotions. And we have to mm -hmm. reconnect. That's what this is all about. Uh, you guys have a bit of an advantage there. I think you have more of a direct connection than we do, many of you. Anyway. Well, you're right may. in, you know, when you said the, that it is scary for husbands. I know for my husband, when um, with our last discovery day, uh -huh. when I was very adamant, no, you're going to find help. You're going to do something. And then about a month or so later, he comes at me with, oh, there's this group that you should really check out and you should check out Pirate Monk Podcast and you should listen to this. And I'm like, you need to get away from me right now. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not hearing yeah. any of that right yeah. now. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. He, every now and then he would find like the the moments of I guess um, oh how did you put it Aaron like it was a calm where you know things were calm between us to be able to kind of just be like hey have you thought about this anymore and very gently you know suggesting it again and then knowing when to back off and just let me let me be able to feel my feelings of what was going, what was happening and accepting my feelings as well. And I know that was very hard for him to do. And so, um, but I'm glad that he did occasionally still remind me of, Hey, have you gotten in touch with that, that women's group yet? <laughs> so I'm glad that he did. Well, in the absence of a link uh, uh, to the uh, soon-to-be-debuted website, what uh, Aaron, can you remind us of the email address, or can somebody remind us of the email address, the functional email address that it, it, it can be a point of con initial point of contact? Yes, they can. Um, women or anyone, but women can send an email to women dot two dot women. 2717 at gmail.com. Women.2.women2717 at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And it's women.to.women. Oh, okay. Not the digit. Not the digit. No. Okay. Wonderful. Well, this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you so much, uh, ladies, for joining and giving your, your input and perspective. Listeners will be back in a moment for the close on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
And we're back uh, on the Pirate Month podcast. Oh, I really enjoyed that conversation. Hey, by the way, uh, a few minutes after we signed off, I got an email from uh, Brandy, one of the women who joined us for the show. She had a follow-up thought that I thought uh, is worth sharing. This is what we'll use to kind of wrap this episode. Uh, she said, uh, uh, Nate, thank you again so much. What an honor it was to be with you today. I had a quick thought or two at the end. I didn't want to keep you any longer. But as we were closing up, Nate, you said something about husbands and wives really not wanting the other to tell them what to do. That resonates in me as a big point of fuel that the enemy uses to keep us all stuck as we struggle with recovery, we're really fighting that enemy, but he keeps us thinking that our spouse is the enemy. For husbands that want to help their wives find some hope and help and healing, and again, some struggle with what, whether they want that, as Lyshel said, perhaps a specific wording that would be less triggering for their wife would be good to give them. Sometimes it's truly about the words and the timing. That can make all the difference. So this would be my encouragement to your men. First of all, pray and ask God to show you a time that your wife will be in a place to hear from you. Then trust him for that timing and for the courage to give the message. You won't do this perfectly, so trust him. When you approach the topic, offer something like this. I found out recently that there is a group of other wives and partners called the Sarah Society. I heard it's a place where other women are talking about the pain and the betrayal, the struggle, the anger, and so on, that they feel from situations a lot like ours. I'll send you the information if you want to look into it. I've heard it's a safe place for wives to really be able to share with other women who can relate and understand. Now, this is what I like. She says, these are the don'ts to consider. Don't say, I heard there's a place for you to get help. <laughs> and don't try to force her to commit to it or to tell you if she'll do it. Trust God in his timing and pray for her. Well, that was from Brandy. She shared that email. Uh, she sent it to me and Aaron. Aaron responded, thanks, Brandy. I love this. One thing that my husband, Justin, learned was to invite rather than demand. He invited me to attend a session with the CSAT. He invited me to a full therapeutic disclosure. He invited me to an intensive. He invited me to check out this group he heard about, etc. Just changing the language from I want you to do this to I invite you to do this was huge for me. It took the perception of him controlling me out. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, ladies. Uh, we men, we need, we really do need coaching. It's quite clear, uh, those of us in the Samson Society, that we... Uh, have relational issues, we have intimacy issues, we have communication issues, <laughs> uh, and uh, we can be very, very defensive, and we love 
deeply love the women that we have betrayed and hurt. We want to make it better. Uh, you know, I remember in early recovery, my I, I was in 12-step recovery at the time, you know, and my sponsor said, whatever you do, don't push recovery on your wife. But I got so excited about recovery that I, I ignored his advice and I pushed recovery on her, told her that she needed it too. It didn't help that back then our only model was the model of codependency. And they somehow convinced me that she was sicker than I was and that she needed to do the same steps I was doing. And, and she perceived that as blame shifting. But I was trying to make her responsible for my problem. And that didn't, that didn't set well with her, nor should it have. Uh, but, you know, my clumsiness and my misplaced enthusiasm actually delayed Allie's entrance into recovery by a couple of years. I, I regret that I did that. I wish that I'd had some more sensitive and perceptive coaching. <laughs> and I wish I'd been humble enough to hear it. So, uh, brothers, I don't know what it's going to take uh, for you uh, softly, gently, judiciously, diplomatically, humbly to invite your wife uh, or whoever it is, the person you've most deeply betrayed into the healing environment of the Sarah Society. Uh, don't blunder your way in. Uh, please take Brandy's advice. Pray about it first. Uh, be humble, be thoughtful, uh, be deliberate, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, help more of those precious women find uh, the safety, the security, the healing environment that is available to them in the Sarah Society. Okay, well, I guess that's a wrap for this week. I would love to hear your reaction to this episode, whether you are uh, a Samson guy, a prospective Samson guy, or the wife, girlfriend of a Samson guy, or prospective Samson guy, whatever your experience is, uh, love to get your reaction to this episode, or if you have any other suggestions, any feedback, even any criticism. Uh, uh, it's all constructive. I love to listen to it all. Send us an email, will you, at piratemonkpodcast at gmail. Dot com. Well, that's it for this week. Until next week, I'm Nate Larkin, and I'm one of your pals <laughs> on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>